if you say, well, I'm too busy and we're just going to grow the business and worry about our culture later, you're going to have a culture whether you plan for one or not. You know, the minute you hire your second person, a culture is going to begin to develop. So you need to start to focus on it early. It doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg as a startup. You often don't have as many resources. From CEO School, it's Wine Down Wednesday. Pour yourself a drink and join us for CEO Happy Hour as we share the messy behind the scenes, straight talk, and real world advice to help you level up in leadership and life. Cheers. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Hi, I'm Sanara Madani and welcome to CEO School. Today's guest is a highly sought after workplace strategist and business coach who has written two Wall Street Journal best-selling books. Erica Keswin helps top of the class businesses, organizations, and individuals improve their performance by honoring relationships in every context and was named one of Business Insider's most innovative coaches of 2020. She's been featured in Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Huffington Post, Oprah's Magazine, Mogul, Fast Company, and more. And we couldn't be more excited to have her on CEO School today. You guys are going to absolutely love what's ahead. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited for this conversation because your area of expertise is really about people and humans and how having a positive impact of having great humans in the workplace, having the right culture will drive business results. And you've worked with some of the top organizations through your career. So I'd love for you to kick us off by sharing what you do as a workplace strategist, because I think people may not even understand what a workplace strategist is. Um, And I can't wait to deep dive into your journey. Great. Well, again, thank you so much. So the way that I describe a workplace strategist is that I help companies improve performance through people. And, you know, that's looking at, you know, who they hire, how they hire them, how the organization's designed, what kinds of professional development do they need? What, you know, how can they celebrate their milestones, helping them to find values, um, helping them get, this sounds a little cheesy, but how do you get the values off the walls and into the halls? How do you bring a company's values to life? And, you know, I would often say that it's, um, some people will say, oh, well, isn't isn't that the soft stuff? And my response is, well, oftentimes the soft stuff is really the hard stuff and the pretty important stuff. And what I try to bring to this work is is the ROI and is the data and the numbers behind why the soft, quote unquote, soft stuff does have bottom line implications. I love it. And it is so important. And I love that you said it's the values on the walls into the halls. Because that is something that I couldn't agree with you more on is the fact that culture, I actually, it it cringes me when people say that they have the greatest culture and then their, their core values are just stapled on the walls, but it's actually not really represented in who their company is, why it's important and why they actually show up to work every day. And this is something that I believe that has made my company's stacks really successful from day one, our core values have actually never changed. We've had three core, same core values from day one, which is I think really unique as a company, like we really haven't changed our, we've adjusted our core values, but we haven't changed our actual core values, but this is how we hire employees. This is how we fire employees. This is how we build products. This is how we decide what 
customers to take on, what vendors to do, what contracts to say yes or no to is really defined by our three core values. And it actually helps us drive business. And when you talk about the soft stuff, I agree with you that people might like say, why are we focused on this? Or why is this even important, especially in the early days? And I actually think it's more important in the early days as you're building the company. And I think companies forget that until they have a horrible culture. And they're like, why isn't business working? And then they would need to go back to the drawing board. Has that been your experience? Right. I mean, that's, you know, if if you say, well, I'm too busy and we're just going to grow the business and worry about our culture later, you're going to have a culture whether you plan for one or not. You know, the minute you hire your second person, a culture is going to begin to develop. So you need to start to focus on it early. It doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg as a startup. You often don't have as many resources. And I also love, and I didn't know this until you just said it now, that you, your that Stacks has three values. One mistake that a lot of businesses make is that they have a laundry list of 10, 12, 14 values. And the problem with that is nobody can remember them. Yes. Drive behavior. So the litmus test that I often use is, first of all, I think three to six values is the sweet spot. And the way that that you determine if they're working and if they are off the walls is that you get to a fork in the road. And should you hire this person? Should you launch this new product? Should you do this deal? The litmus test is you're at the fork. Should do the values help tell you, should you turn left or turn right? And if they don't, then maybe they're not the, maybe they're the wrong values sort of given the times, or maybe there's just too many that nobody can really bring to life what they even mean. I think that, so this three, I have a big threes principle in all of business. And it kind of stems from the fact that I always forget anything more than three. I'm like a crazy busy mom as well. So like, there's too much stuff happening. I won't remember it. Uh, And so threes is just like something that I've just naturally done. And I think it was just kind of a coincidence in the beginning, but it does help us focus. And, and you're right. Like I can walk down the halls. Everybody knows our core values, right? It's get shit done. It's one team and it's creating joy. Those are like the three things that we have that drive our business, but every single person can understand it, know it. And, and not just recite it because they're standing, because it's written on a conference room wall. Right. Right. And the idea is to think about how can you align all the different things that you do to, to those values. So when you think about, you know, how you're coming, I mean, I, I, as you said in the intro, I just wrote this book on rituals and the way that the rituals book is structured is it's around the employee experience. So rituals around when you onboard people, rituals around meetings, rituals around, if you're happen to be in person right now, eating together, rituals around celebrating milestones, professional development. So if one of your values is around creating joy, well, where in these different processes of the employee experience, does that happen? I mean, maybe in the beginning of a meeting, somebody shares a joyful moment or, you know, perhaps in, in the way that you celebrate at the end of the month or the end of the quarter, there, there's joy. And so I do think where there's a will, where there's a way. And in my work, I try to help organizations create you know, a roadmap and a structure. Um, so these things aren't so fuzzy, you know, and, and touchy feely. I love that. And speaking of your work, I mean, you've now launched two highly successful books. Congratulations. I think it's so incredible. And I love that you are literally making the top charts on this topic because I think it's so critically important for business. And so the first one is bring your human to work. 
And the second one now is Ritual's Roadmap. Could you kind of just talk a little bit about Bring Your Human to Work and what's kind of the premise? And if you had some key learnings for our listeners here today, a little bit about our audience. We have founders from every step of the way. We have women that are either in leadership positions in the workplace, or we have entrepreneurs that might not have even gotten started. They're just starting their businesses or women well above seven figures and beyond. So what are some of the key takeaways from all of the research that you've done in your experience? You can kind of share in like a 10 minute segment so that we can take away. We want all of it in the short, in the condensed version, and then we'll read the book. But tell us a little bit about Bring Your Home Into Work and the top points there, as well as your second book. All right, great. Um, And specifically, should I answer as it relates to women? Um, absolutely. Let's do that. That makes me even more excited. All right, good. So, um, so bring your human to work is about designing a workplace that's not only good for people, but great for business and the world. And that's actually the subtitle of the book. And it's how those things are not mutually exclusive. And so it covers everything from the values piece that we were just talking about to, you know, how can you build in, you know, real equity and inclusion into your business? Um, there's a chapter on, on wellness and giving back. And the last chapter in the book is called Say Thanks. And it's all about, you know, building this idea of gratitude into the business. And, but the premise I would say, and one of the big takeaways, as you said in the intro, is that it's about honoring relationships. And when you're thinking about all of your decisions, whether you have your own business or you're working for a company, how can you look at business through that lens? So honoring the relationships with your colleagues, with your boss, with the people that work for you, with your clients, and most importantly, honoring that relationship with yourself. And I do think as women, we often put ourselves last on the list. Um, you know, it's funny when you said you have your list of three, I think that's why I had three kids. If I had any more, I'd probably forget one somewhere, but we need, you know, it's the proverbial putting the oxygen mask on first, that if we don't understand who we are as a leader, you know, as a parent, as a friend, you know, if we're taking care of our elderly parents, we can't even get to the rest of it. And so I do make sure in, in that book and in the other one, that there's a piece that makes sure that we honor that relationship you know, with ourself and, and really start there. So that's, that's the first book. And, and again, in both, I really tried to create like a system and a structure and a roadmap. And people will say to me, well, do I have to do all 10 of these things, you know, to, to create a more human workplace? And while I love all of my 10 chapters or children, you know, equally, they're in really no pecking order except for chapter one, which is about being real and speaking in a human voice. And for all leaders, you know, men and women, we need to, the more sort of open and even vulnerable, I feel like that word's a little overused these days, but the more real we can be about work, about home and how those two are forever sort of interchanged, um, the more the people that work for us will be willing to do the same. So that's the first book. The second book, you know, I wasn't planning on um, going back to the well so quickly and writing another book, but one day I was out to dinner with a colleague of mine and we were debriefing about bring your human to work and talking with feedback. And I had this epiphany where it, it occurred to me that when I think about all of the leaders, hundreds of people that I interviewed for bring your human to work, 
different stories, different industries, different size companies from startups to Microsoft. I mean, you know, the whole spectrum. Um, one of the common themes was that leaders were using rituals to help them stay connected to the business, to the colleagues, to their customers, like all these things. And they weren't necessarily calling them rituals at the time. But as I kind of sifted and pulled back the layers of the, of the onion, I thought, wow, this is a tool in their toolbox. And what was so cool about the stories they were telling me was that the rituals, they didn't have to cost anything, you know, always great for, for a founder and startup. Um, but the impact um, was, was huge. And so at that point, I took this deep dive into the science of rituals to understand A, what they are, and B, you know, the impact on rituals in our lives for us as, as humans, as people, but also to, to our businesses. And that was the beginning of that journey. I think that's so interesting that you call it the word rituals, because now I'm trying to go through like, what are the things that we do? And I never thought about them as rituals in the company. Can you kind of talk through what kind of rituals um, maybe you're referencing for maybe some of the startups or other companies, like how can one create? And I love what you said, like, how can you create these rituals or are they organically happening? So let's talk a little bit more about the rituals because it's like a, it's an interesting concept to wrap your head around if you're not operating. And now I get it because I'm like, okay, I get it. And I, I, can, I can start thinking of my examples, but I want to hear you share it uh, so that others can kind of digest. Like, what does it mean to have a ritual in the company? Right. Yeah, you're right. You know, in the beginning, people... Was really like a ritual. I feel like I think of rituals more in my personal life, but not at work. And so I'll start off with a quick definition. You know, what is a ritual, at least in the context of me in this book? Um, the definition has three parts. The first is that a ritual is something to which we assign a certain amount of meaning and intention. So number one. Number two is a ritual is something that typically happens at a regular cadence. Um, it could be every morning, it could be once a day, it could be once a week, it could be once a year, but there is some type of predictable regular cadence. The third part was really interesting to me and something I had not considered. A ritual is something that goes beyond its practical purpose. So, you know, what do I mean by that? I'm sitting here in, in my home office, actually I'm not, I'm in actually my son's room in his office or his school where he does his work since he's actually at school today. And let's say that I that the lights go out and I light a candle um, so I can see what I'm doing. That's not a ritual. But let's say I light a candle every day at six o'clock to signify the end of the work day and the beginning of my time at home with my kids. There's no practical purpose. I'm not doing it to see anything. I'm doing it because there's meaning and intention in that transition. Um, from from my work day. Uh, asking for a friend. Sorry to cut. Does wine count? Wine can count. <laughs> mine, well, look, I, mine is mine is coffee. You know, there, I have a coffee ritual in the morning. And what I would say to that, no, in all seriousness, wine wine can help. Um, but as a ritual, it's 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 more of the intentionality. So. I'm I, I only joke. I don't want to cut you off on there. No, 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 but like, you're, but after, you're right. After my kids go to bed, after the day is over, my day is like so crazy hectic. And by the time it's like eight 30 and I feel like, okay, the world has finally shut down. So I'll, I'll have a glass of wine, not every night, but most nights of the week. And then just that, just that cracking of like that feeling of like, okay, my glass of wine is being poured. I can like turn my brain off and right. have a glass of wine in peace and quiet. 
is like the end of my, like what I'm giving to others day. And then I can kind of like have this next hour to myself. Well, so what's interesting about that is my guess is like tonight, if you have it, you're almost going to think about it a little bit differently. You'll have to email me or call me if you do. I will. Because you were doing it that way. But sometimes we have rituals in our lives at home and at work, and I'll share some of the work examples. And even just going through that exercise of calling it a ritual, like tonight when you're pouring it, I feel like you'll be even more attuned to taking that deep breath, making that exhale, and very, um, you'll be very aware this time, this, these few minutes, whatever, however long it is, is for me. Because what, what, what I realized with my own, this coffee ritual that I have is one day, this was many, many years ago, I drank my whole coffee and I hadn't tasted it. And I was so bummed because I really look forward to that first cup of coffee. I only really drink one, but that cup of coffee every morning, I think about it before I go to bed. I'm a little obsessed. And so all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gone. I'm so sad. And now with there being more intention around it, I take it, I hold the cup, I feel the heat on my hands and, and, and take a few deep breaths and start the day. And so, you know, beginnings and endings are what I call prime rituals, real estate. So the beginning of a day, the beginning of a meeting, um, you know, the end of a day, the beginning of a project. So a couple of work examples, you know, one of my, one of my favorite ones, you know, rituals can come from anywhere. Um, as a founder, you know, if you're a founder and you're listening to this, they could come from you, but they, they could come from anyone top down, bottom up, inside out. And the best rituals are authentic and organic and sometimes just happen. And then, and they're aligned with our values. So at Allbirds, one of the stories in the book, um, one of the employees, not one of the co-founders went to the doctor one day and wasn't feeling great. And he came back to the office and said, you know, I'm going to set a goal for myself and do X amount of push-ups between now and the end of the year. And he took that number and he divided it by 40 because um, there were 40 days or he divided that number by, by the number of push-ups that were left in the year. And it, the number, it came out to be 40, meaning that if this guy did 40 push-ups every day for the rest of the year, he would hit his goal number. So lo and behold, because many of us spent a lot of time in the office, he started, used to anyway, he then started doing push-ups at four o'clock in the afternoon, 40 push-ups. And the guy next to him joined and the woman across the hall joined. And then somebody else came and didn't do the push-ups, but watched the push-ups and chit-chatted. And this almost became this version of the, you know, way back in the day, the smoke break or the coffee break, you know, or the dark chocolate break, but it was push-ups. And it became in a ritual called 40 at four. And I circled back with them during the pandemic and they were still doing it online. And the way that people know if something is a ritual, um, I uncovered in my research, you know, this is not a technical question per se, but really worked when I was doing these interviews. And this is what I asked the the co-founder of Allbirds, which was, you know, when do you think employees feel most Allbirds-ish, most like an Allbirds employee? And within a second, he snapped his fingers and he goes, I got it. 40 at four. And so what's 40 at four? And that then began the conversation about the rituals. Other people, the CEO of Kindbar talked about when during their orientation and onboarding, he gets together every quarter with all the new employees and really shares the the history of Kind and the story about his grandparents and the Holocaust and really making that connection um, to the purpose and the mission of the company. So every company is different. 
Um, you know, at Chipotle, they have a meal together, the employees every morning at 1015 before they open at 1030, which for the record, who knew that so many people eat burritos at 1030 in the morning. Um, so I would love to ask you, um, you know, when do when do employees, in your opinion, at Stacks feel most Stacks ish? I love it. Um, so many different times, actually, I would say be, uh, we have so many rituals now that you've like coined this ritual. So I would say like the first thing that comes to mind is last day. Namaste is like a huge thing in our office. We onboard about a thousand customers a month on the direct side of our business. It's a lot of velocity now, but even when we're onboarding 10 customers, the end of the month is always like just crazy in most organizations. So last day, everyone's like supporting our sales team to get their last deals through. And then we have like an underwriting and onboarding team. So we have all these teams that all need to work together. And it feels like the last week of the month and especially the last day, there's a lot of collaboration of just getting it done. Yes. And so we have this last day namaste and it kind of started because we would be in the office. It was like the longest day and it was like, people wouldn't leave until like 8 PM at night. So it's not something like it just was naturally happening. It would be late. And so we would wear our uh, workout clothes or like just like yoga pants or just be a little bit more super casual. It didn't matter if it was a Friday or not. We were just like always all dressed down for last day namaste. And because things were so busy, um, we would like cater in food, um, every like for lunch. And so, because you didn't have to think about like what we needed to eat, like everybody was just like working to like help everybody get the end of month through. Right. So last day, namaste, I would feel like is the most stacks ish, uh, stacksy. I would say, um, our team probably feels cause we always have a meal together at lunch. We're all in our, like our swag clothes. Like we're all like in stacks gear. And it's just like probably the highest level of like collaboration. And then what we like ended up happening, it turned into this like last day of the month, happy hour. Like everybody would just then go whether, cause in tech would be like, well, sales and underwriting are working together. And like, we want to, we want to hang out too. And like, they would like join us to like have drinks at the end of the month or like, it was usually, it started as like a sales piece that right. then ended up being for the whole company. And so last day of the month is like the, and we call it last day namaste. And it was just cause we'd wear yoga plants and just need to be a little bit more Zen that day. So that's oh, like the most acts. I I love it. I seriously have goosebumps. Um, I may need to, need to include that in one of my articles. I love it. And what's interesting is the, the ROI of rituals. And now that you gave this example, we can really see the power of this. So in the book, as I said in the beginning, when people would like, oh, this is the soft stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. Um, I came up with an equation that, that brings together a lot of the, the science and the data behind why rituals are good for our business um, and us. And it's called the three Ps. So the first P is that rituals give us a sense of psychological safety, a sense of belonging and inclusion. And when I was listening to you describe this ritual, I'm like picturing everybody in their Lululemon, like bonding, running around, like with chickens with their heads cut off, but thriving on it. Not one of these, oh my God, you know, I need to stay late. Like it's the end of the day. It's the end of the month. We were all in this together and almost having like this fun, frenetic level of energy. Like that's what I was picturing. The second um, P is that rituals give us an opportunity to connect to purpose and mission. And at that end of the month, like that's where the rubber hits the road and you're all working together to achieve that purpose. And you add those two together and that gets you the third P, which is increased performance. 
And that was pretty clear based on what you said. So, you know, I think you you end up, you know, onboarding a thousand customers and crushing it on the numbers, but the connection that you've made, not just with sales, but with these all these other people, you know, the, the reason why this is so important, especially in the midst of this, you know, hybrid dynamic shift in the workplace and people are at home, people are in the office and everywhere in between, is that if we don't feel connected to why we do what we do and connected to the people with whom we work, if somebody else comes and taps you on the shoulder and offers you a little more money, you're like, all right, why not? But then you wouldn't have last day namaste. And that sounds pretty awesome. No, it's so true. And at le- and now it's it's more important than ever. I mean, we're going through this as I, there's not one CEO that I don't talk to that's having challenges on recruiting and retention. And yes. it is a real, it, it is our current reality right now, even in organizations that have incredible cultures, right? And it's because there is, uh, the, it's, it's almost like it's the opposite happening, Erica, where people were leaving major corporate corporations to go to startups. And now it's like just the, the, the major corporations are just forking out a lot of money to hire employees right now. And so it's, it's a tough time for the startup and mid-level company environment to retain talent. But what has helped retention is exactly that culture and that culture that you've invested. You can't just now pick up and do last day, namaste. Like you can't just do it all of a sudden. Exactly. Um, but it's never too late. It's never too late. And you do adapt those rituals. Oh my God, I can literally sit here and talk to you about this forever. This morning, it's, it's the beginning of the month, right? So it's the first Monday of the month. So we have our last day. And then in the beginning of the month, we do pump ups, um, where we were doing it every Monday. It started off being, uh, 15 minutes. Somebody from the organization picks a topic. It's almost like their Ted talk. And they get to give this Ted talk to the organization, like pump up the whole organization for this next month coming. Cause we ended, we, we gave it all we got. We've like lost, like all the energy in the tank is out. Yep. And so pump up was a great way for us, like replenish that. But when we were 30, 40 people and it was like every Monday that worked, that's like how we were collaborating. We had to adjust that. Today was actually the first pump up that we moved to be a monthly thing. So it made it extra special because sometimes when you have too many things going on, yes. it's not a priority anymore. And so we found ourselves in this, we love our pump up. Like we didn't, this has been something we've had for so long. So we didn't want to give it up, but it's also hard for everybody to be on at 845, like on Monday mornings. And so we move the timing. And so now it's like after nine, everybody gets together. We make it only it's 10 minutes. And now it's a little bit more curated where it's not like, you know, the the next person, like, here's your sign up list. Now it's like, there's a lot of intention around this one person giving this talk. Um, And so today was our pump up. And now that you're talking about rituals, we have so many rituals. I didn't know that you called them rituals. Yes. I mean, how do you know it's a ritual? It would feel like crazier that maybe that your company was sold if it didn't happen. So if it was the last day of the month and there was no last day, namaste, people would be like, what, what is going on? So that's how you know that that stickiness is there. And I love what you said, which is, you know, somebody listening, it, they can't, they could try, but it often doesn't work. They're like, oh, I'm going to try 40 pushups at four. I'm going to try this pump up. You really need to think about your own culture, your own company, your own values, and and this employee experience from from recruiting to meetings to professional development to celebrating milestones and an- answer that question. You know, when do employees feel most you know like you? And that's a great place to start, at least playing around with it. 
I love it. I think it's so fantastic. I love the work that you're doing and you can feel it in my heart because I think, I think it changes. And like you have your three P's, we have our four P's at CEO school. Um, and it's that, you know, there's a pyramid to like what, like how I describe these four P's of like what makes business successful. I've been really fortunate to build, uh, you know, an eight plus figure company. I have a seven figure company and the lessons that I've learned without going to CEO school, this is why this podcast is called CEO school. I've broken it down into like my system, which is the four P's of business. And people want to go to profit first, but it's actually power on the bottom. Like, and I think that's your purpose. So having the power and then it's the people. And so I love it. And then it's process and then it's profit. So profit's like it's up top and it's important, but you can't work your way like backwards. You can't like, get there without no, the foundation. Without the foundation. And so I absolutely love this. Now for those founders and entrepreneurs and even leaders that are listening, let's say that they don't have a, a defined culture. Where do you begin? What is the framework to say here? Let's go do these next few things that can really help them think through what could be their values, what could be their culture. How do you, what direction do you have for those just getting started? So let's say you have a couple of people and now you're beginning to think about it. You know, I sort of start with what is the, you know, the soul and the essence of your organization and what you stand for. And oftentimes, if you come up with a list of 10, there's oftentimes duplicates when you look at the meaning and you can get input from a lot of different people, but you really want to bring it down again to those three to six things. And it's really about the how, because you have your mission and your strategy about, you know, your business, what your business is. But this is almost the how of how the work gets done. So, you know, when you talked about the joy and, you know, you can get the same work done, but not necessarily in a joyful way, but that's something that's important to you. So, you know, I'm fine. You know, you can go, you can get, you can get input from other people. You can ask customers, you can ask clients, really try to get that list down to a few and test it out. And once those values, and then you really want to define them from there, I begin to think about how do you integrate those values and align them with all of your processes in your business. And so, if, and then it's a way to sort of check, are these values the right values? Are they working? Um, and so even taking it at the beginning of the, the process, when you're recruiting, when you're onboarding, how can you weave joy into the onboarding process or the recruiting process to give new potential employees a window into what on earth that means. Um, and the best way to do that is to have a piece of the process when they're being recruited to, to weave that in, you know, in some way, shape or form. And so that's really the, the beginning. Ultimately, over time, you can link it to people's performance and measure people on it or fire people, you know, if they don't uphold those values, you know, the classic, you have this amazing salesperson who's ruining the culture because people are crying and don't want to come to work. That that's another way to bring those, those values to life. And so it's, it's little things. It's one step at a time. I love it. And you're absolutely right. It makes decision-making actually so much easier because you're like, here is how we make decisions as a company. And something that I think we have really proud of this, that like, it, from our core values, and you probably are going to agree with this and probably early implementing it. I don't think that one value can live without the other. So creating joy doesn't just mean that everybody just walks around and it's like, oh my God, we're like the nicest. And like, you can do whatever you want in your job because we want to be happy and creating joy. It still has to go live within our three values. So get shit done was our first value. Like we right. still have to right. get a job. Right. If you're not getting shit done, yeah. it doesn't you're matter. Not, you can't, if we you're can't create joy. 
<laughs> so it's get shit done and then one team and then creating joy. So the team aspect of it, it's always team over self because even as like a sales, like on the sales side, we found that we're so collaborative as like a sales organization um, or our sales team is because we have this one team core value. It's, it's not about the individual and it's important. You have to get shit done and get your goal, but you still have to be one team about it. Like your team still has to get to your goal and overall we have to get there. So even the last day namaste example, it's still getting shit done. We're there till 8 p.m. Like getting the whole the whole company's rallying around it. It's all about one team effort and while we still get to create joy. So that's like an example of how like all three of those can really, all of the values have to just, they don't work without the other. Right. And so that's just what I wanted to share because I think that sometimes values can be put up on that wall, but it's not just about creating joy and being kind and having swag and fun parties. It still has to be about the business and the other values that are associated with how you operate the business. And that's what, I mean, and that's why your last day namaste is such an amazing example. The joy is the byproduct. People are having fun, but it's about getting all these numbers in, you know, the, the customers onboarded by the end of the month and the way that you describe it, you're all doing it together and then you're all celebrating together. And you've even extended it beyond the sales team, which has other amazing byproducts because different people in different groups are getting to know each other, learning about other parts of the business. That's also built in professional development because you're seeing what other people do. So kudos to you. I'm not surprised that it's a huge eight figure business because, you know, these are the things that help you get to that, to your fourth P, you know, the profit. I love it. No, this is like, this is so important. I love that we're talking about this. And I think the message is you can't start too early, right? I think this is the, this is the framework. I think we all need to go deep dive further into both of these books, bring your human to work as well as the rituals roadmap. I can't, we'll be linking it in the show notes as well. Um, but it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, right? These, you have to be able to put the people first, put your values first and this is why people are going to show up to work. This is why successful companies are how successful. The companies that you've just mentioned are all multi-billion dollar companies because they've put their people first and have a culture that defines the people that defines the success of that culture. Well, amazing. Well, how can we learn more from you, Erica? I mean, you are just a powerhouse. Congratulations on all the success. How can we learn more from you? Where can we find you? You can go to my website, which is just my name, ericakeswin.com. I too have a podcast, which is called Left to Our Own Devices. Um, because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. We're not intentional. We're not going to get our values off the walls. So it's really bringing a lot of these ideas to life. And the most recent season was the ritual season. Um, and I'm about to launch uh, season number four. And, you know, I, my role, I go out and I do... I do keynotes and workshops and, and help leaders, you know, integrate these concepts into their cultures, into their organizations. And the, the fun thing that I'm working on right now, it's called now what, um, the human <laughs> way to attract, retain and engage employees in an ever changing workforce. And we know that things are so they're just changing faster than they've ever been. And we're taking three steps forward and one step back and two steps forward and three steps back. And the great resignation is real. And so I'm trying to give leaders and you know, managers real tools to, to help create a stronger culture um, to keep their people right now. I love it. We cannot wait to continue to follow the journey and have you around more for CEO School workshops. We've got incredible places that you can come speak to so many women founders. We've got 
just the most incredible set of listeners. We've got 150,000 women that follow this community. And so there's so many of us that can continue to learn from you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this afternoon. We can't wait to apply these principles to our businesses in our leadership and life. And so thank you, Erica, for being here. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to meet you. Amazing. Well, until next week at CEO School, we'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and show. Our team at CEO School works extremely hard to bring you the best content, authentic conversations, and expert guests curated every single week to keep you leveling up in leadership, business, and in life. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating telling us what you enjoy the most. We will be sending CEO School swag for the next 100 reviews, so don't miss out. Write a review and send us a screenshot at podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Again, it's podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Thanks so much. We love having you here.